What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, covering all things Ohio State athletics. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, the Scrappy Socialist. He's very scrappy today. His name is Patrick Mayhorn. Man, I'm, I'm extremely scrappy today. Yesterday, I was at the gym playing some basketball, got several steals, didn't really do much else, but that's it's my MO. I'm like five foot eight, and I play point guard. I have to get steals or I'll die. <laughs> Speaking of scrappy and basketball, the time is upon us, yeah, man. It's back. It is We've we've waited until last March, and Ohio State basketball is back starting tonight. They're going to play the Cincinnati Bearcats. We won't dive in too much to what that game is going to entail. You can listen to our season preview. Basketball for Dummies was a couple episodes ago. Check that out in the archives and check out all of our coverage on LandGrantHolyLand.com. But it should be a very exciting year starting tonight with this game against Cincinnati. Yeah, it should be a really good game. Both teams are in a pretty similar spot. Um, Both of them lost pretty much all of their players from last season. Cincinnati was really good last year, and um, they only returned two starters, and neither one of them was all that great last season. They, They weren't the best players on the team by any means. But I'm pretty sure that the teams are 41 and 42 in the Kimpom ratings. I think Ohio State actually has a slight advantage there. But um, Cincinnati's favored by about five and a half. I do think Ohio State will cover, but I, I think Cincinnati wins by two or three points. Their defense is still really good. Yeah, Cincinnati is very good. And I, I really like when Ohio State plays them. This is a game that should happen more often. That tournament game a few years back is one of my favorites, maybe my favorite complete favorite in all of Ohio State basketball it's always great to see them play Cincinnati and this is a team and a program that's I think a good measuring stick for this new era of Ohio State basketball and we'll see where it goes this season in year two under Chris Holtman but very excited to watch them this season and even if it starts off rocky with a loss tonight I think we're gonna learn a lot about this program this year and some of those steps that they're taking under Holtman in this new era. Yeah, it, it should be a fun game. It should be a fun season. It's um, if people are kind of tired of the high pressure <laughs> Ohio State football where every game is, you know, like not fun. Yeah, not fun. And like an indictment on the program if they lose by 30 to a mid-major, not a mid-major, a mid-level Big Ten team, which they seem to do more and more now. Uh, but the basketball is not like that. You can lose games and no one will, will really freak out. And Ohio State doesn't really have super high expectations this year, but they have some really fun young players. Luther Muhammad is a guy who I really like a lot. Caleb Wesson is going to be awesome. Andre Wesson is getting better every game. They should be a lot of fun, and this this should be a good start. They're playing it in um, Cincinnati's renovated arena. Cincinnati's crowd should be really good. I think that their, their student tickets sold out for the season in like 20 minutes. But it, it should be it should be a good game, and I think people should watch it if they're interested at all in Ohio State basketball. It's super exciting that Ohio State basketball has a team that we can kind of grow with. We haven't seen, at least when it comes to basketball or football, we haven't gotten to experience that much as fans lately because football has obviously been on top of the mountain, you know, since since I was a kid basically, and even before then, and basketball for the better part of the 2000s has been a power program and since they took a a little bit of a step back it is kind of fun to get to watch them 
grow a little bit more and, and take that journey with them. And it's, it's easy to say that now because it wouldn't be fun in football. We might be finding that out here in a couple of <laughs> years. We'll see. But it, it's cool that there isn't those really high pressure expectations on the team this year. And we just kind of get to see a young group, see if they can gel together and start a new identity for themselves. Yeah. And if, if people are looking to, to get very invested in a basketball team or in a sports program in general, I think the Buckeye basketball team is a good one to do that with because they just brought in four freshmen in their latest class in uh, Dwayne Washington, Justin Aarons, Jay Don Leedy, and, um, Luther Muhammad and I don't think any of those guys are going to be leaving super early I think Luther Muhammad could be a two-year guy but I, I could see all four of them staying all four years and um, there are lots of, of young talented players on this team who will probably be here for a while and uh, then next year they've got two five stars and a four star coming in in the, the 2019 class and it's just it's kind of a growing program right now and it's really fun to watch it's fun to follow them all right that does it for this week's episode of the hangout in the holy land follow us on twitter at holy land pod subscribe on apple podcast follow us at land grant 33 that'll do it all right um we got nothing else to talk about today right yep that's it that's the only ohio state sports thing that's happening the football team definitely is not going to the east lansing i i won't accept that no and i i have a couple things written down here for us to talk about with this game against michigan state this week. I just have oh no written in big letters on my giant <laughs> piece of paper. We're we're at the point now where it's deep enough into the season where like the X's and O stuff and the scheme stuff I think kind of is what it is. We know what Ohio State needs to do. For me, I want to get your thoughts on this and the listeners' thoughts. Send me a tweet at Dubsco and us a tweet at Holy Land Pod about where this game ranks in terms of program defining games for Ohio State in the Urban Meyer era because I I was trying to think and put together like a top three list and the three biggest ones I can think of and this is just strictly regular season we're not talking about national championship playoff game against Alabama playoff game against Clemson whatever just regular season games looking back the three biggest ones that I can think of were the 2016 game against Michigan, last year's game against Penn State, and then the 2014 game against Michigan State where they were kind of looking for that first real national level win in the Urban Meyer area. They had lost to them the year before in the Big Ten Championship game. It was kind of a make-or-break game. And for me, all of those three games, the 2016 Michigan, 2017 Penn State, and the 2014 Michigan State games were like playoff eliminators, and we kind of knew where Ohio State was. This year seems like it's a program-defining game for a different reason, because if they win, they can get a ton of confidence. This is a a good, I don't know if pretty good's the right word, but a good Michigan State team with a very good defense and a team that's given them trouble in the past. And I think winning this game could be a huge confidence boost for them. And conversely, I think if they lose this game, I don't really see any way that they can rebound from it. You know, maybe they're able to beat Maryland and get, you know, untuck their tail between their legs heading into Michigan. But I think if they lose, there's a pretty good chance that this thing unravels for the rest of the season and whatever happens, you know, during during the bowl game. 
But I, I think that this is a huge game, not only for this season, but for the program. This is one that they really need to win and one that we may look back in a couple years on and be like, that was the game where it either teetered or they were able to keep it upright. Yeah, I think there's. It, it's kind of hard to to describe this this exact feeling in college football, but it's it's a uniquely college football feeling where a team loses a game in a, a really messy way, like Ohio State did to to Purdue, and they just kind of look done. They just kind of look done with the season. It looks like they they have kind of given up a bit. And I don't think Ohio State is there yet, but they kind of showed signs of that against Nebraska where they were just not entirely invested in the game. And I think if they lose to Michigan State, they'll be just about done. I, I think that I, I think that they'll probably beat Maryland off of talent. I'm a little less confident in that having watched Maryland's offense and knowing that Matt Canada is is calling it and he loves pre play motion and I just don't see Ohio State knowing what to do with that. But I, I think if they lose to Michigan State, they'll be just about done and we'll see a, a nine and three or even an eight and four finish. But if they win this game, especially if they win it in a convincing way, which I'm not <laughs> expecting at all, I think it's going to be pretty close. But if they win this game, they could kind of get it as a, a rebound situation where they see that the playoffs are still a possibility. The Big Ten championship is still a possibility. They can still play defense and win games and they might be refocused a bit for the final two games of the season, which they will need to be to to play Michigan and to a lesser extent Maryland. But yeah, I, I could definitely see this as a, a teetering point, not just for this season, but for the, the Urban Meyer tenure, because if they lose out, I'm not entirely convinced that he comes back next season just from, I, I think he might retire if they lose out or even if they lose two more games, because he really doesn't like to rebuild a program that he's been at for a while it's kind of what our history what his history tells us is that when one of his programs starts to go downhill he doesn't really want to stick around for that so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if that happens but I could also see Ohio State winning and, and pulling it all together yeah and I think that that's the that's the balance for this game is that if they win they do realize that okay at least on paper we're still alive all of our dreams are still there with two games left to go in the regular season. We beat Maryland, and then it's basically a winner-take-all against Michigan at home, which should be very, very unsettling for, for a whole week leading up to that game. And then on the flip side, you know, and this is something I'm going to write about on Friday for I Got Five on it, is a loss here, and this, this would be the first time that their playoff-slash-national championship hopes would be done before December. It's crazy to think about that. I don't know if even other than Alabama, I don't think any team can say that because, you know, disregarding the sanction year because Urban Meyer came into that situation, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, and possibly this year, they've been alive to not only make the playoff or play for the national championship, but win the national championship every single November and a loss here kills that and that's where I think that program define it could be a program defining loss because they've never been here before 
and where would they go? So something to think about. Maybe people will disagree with that, but I, I do think that we're going to look back on this game, whether it's win or lose, and say that was a big game for the program. Yeah. Do you, do you remember last season when after the Iowa loss, people still thought Ohio State would get into the playoff and got really mad when Alabama did instead? Of course. Do you think people would do that this year with the Michigan State loss? Do you, do you think if Ohio State loses to Michigan State two weeks or three weeks after losing by 30 points to Purdue, people would still get mad when a second SEC team or someone else gets into the playoff ahead of a, a two-loss Ohio State team that's pretty obviously not there? I guess it would depend how the Michigan game shakes out. Like if they won by three or they won a really ugly game, then I could see people being like, eh, you know, the Big Ten wasn't that good this year whatever but yeah no i think people people are already talking about it that's the thing and and that's what's so weird about it is they had two losses last year and they just came back and stomped michigan state and even in the middle of that game the broadcast i remember was already talking about like you know this is a statement by ohio state they could they could sneak back into the playoffs i don't think they have any margin for error that's what we talked about last week they have no margin for error at this point. I mean, a loss in there officially done, but even if they don't look good in winning, they could be done. And there isn't a Wisconsin 12 and 0 from 2017 on the other side of the Big 10 waiting for them or whoever, you know, wins the Big 10 East at this point, which is either going to be them or Michigan. So, I I think that that's where that margin for error differs from last year and at, at this point just like last year, if they don't make the playoff, all they have to blame is themselves. You know, there's, I I don't think Alabama necessarily was a a great choice over them last year, despite them winning the national championship, but they could only blame themselves for losing two games and not giving themselves any margin for error. And if they miss out this year, it's something we've talked about all season long. I think most of it is going to be because of mistakes that they created or problems that they created for themselves and as a fan I'm just not going to feel pity for them if they miss the playoff because it was stuff that they just refused to change that's on them well and and with that and I I think it is pretty easy to say that Ohio State is at fault if they don't make the playoffs and in what is a a pretty bad year for the Big Ten. I, I mean, Penn. it's a pretty bad year for all of college yeah. football. For them yeah. to have the talent they do and to not just be running roughshod over teams, I think is very inexcusable because this is a year that they should be locked into the two spot or the three, depending on you know how you think about Clemson. And they've just totally botched it. They, there's no strong teams outside of Alabama and Clemson. And Ohio State should be right there, and they just aren't. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking about something kind of like this yesterday with a friend of the show, Ryan Donnelly, about how people are very quick to say, you know, whenever someone criticizes Ohio State, which I do frequently online, um, people are very quick to say, well, they're eight and one, or you know, how how could you complain about a team that's, that's still winning so many games? Like Ohio State's supposed to win these games. <laughs> Ohio State being eight and one is not impressive to me. That's the expectation here. They're they're the second most talented yeah. team in the country. They're supposed to be eight and one. They're supposed to be nine and zero. Oh. They lost to Purdue. <laughs> Purdue is not more talented than Ohio State. I mean, if they were going to lose a game in that early stretch, it should have been Penn State, at least in terms of games that actually would make sense to lose talent wise. They didn't do it, so there's really no reason they shouldn't be nine and zero oh at this point. They're pretty easily 
the most talented team in the Big Ten. And now they have to go through the three-game slate at the end of the season, which we always knew was going to be pretty tough, with no margin for error at all. And they brought that entirely upon themselves. And I, I don't, I'm sure that it, it just makes me like, you know, on a, like a very privileged football fan that I can say that an eight and one team isn't living up to expectations, but they're not living up to expectations. I mean, this was, this is a very talented football team and there's a pretty good chance they finish nine and three. There's a pretty good chance that they finish 10 and two. And that's just not, that's not what Urban Meyer was brought here to do. He, you know, if you're going to land all those top recruits, you you have to use them the right way. And he hasn't been. And, and the the big lead that Ohio State had on Michigan talent-wise and seemingly on the field for the last several years where they've beaten Michigan, it's gone. Michigan looks awesome this year. Ohio State looks like crap. Michigan is, is using their talent which is they have less talent than Ohio State. It's a less talented team than Ohio State. And they're using that talent up to the level it's supposed to be used at, and they look awesome because of it. And it, it feels like a, you know, there's there's a power transfer from Ohio State to Michigan in the Big Ten East. It feels like there's a power transfer in the Big Ten as a whole to Michigan, and Ohio State is not competing on that level right now and that's not the expectation so I, I really don't care that Ohio State is is eight and one because they're not on the level that Michigan is and that's the expectation Ohio State is supposed to be better than Michigan under Urban Meyer that's why he was here and I, I think that it, it really is that if Ohio State off it's it's only on them it's exclusively on them not doing what they're supposed to 10 and 2 would be feel very different this year than it did last year, I think. Yeah. Given the circumstances of last year and playing Oklahoma and last year really being a good year basically uh, amongst the whole sport and this season kind of just being a free for all. This season's been terrible throughout all. This is going to be one of the most forgettable college football seasons, I think unless bowl season slash the playoff is just crazy. It's been a horrible season. And Ohio State's been a big part of that. But getting into this game itself, because obviously, as we said, it, it's a huge one. Where do you start with this one? Because Michigan State is kind of what you would expect. They're 30th in S&P Plus, 95th on offense, and 7th on defense. And maybe that's that's where we start with this game, is that, that that's the matchup that's going to decide everything, is whether some of the improvements we saw from the offense in the running game last week can carry over to what's a very good Michigan State defense. Yeah, Michigan State's defense is, um, I mean, they're they're awesome. They're one of the best defenses in the country, as you mentioned, seventh in, in S&P+. Um, they're much better against the run than they are against the pass. They're second in, in running defense for S&P+, and 29th in passing S&P+, defense, which, I mean, 29th is certainly better than uh, a lot of teams. It's certainly better than Ohio State's defense, but... Their their rush defense is really their strength, and we talked about this a little bit on the Nebraska post game show, that um, Ohio State ran the ball well against Nebraska, and Nebraska's defense is not very good, so that's kind of the expectation. I don't expect that to continue this week. I think Michigan State's defense would stop a good rushing attack, and Ohio State's rushing attack is not good. Um, so I, I really I'm not expecting a ton of success on the ground. Maybe J.K. Dobbins will have a a good day. Maybe Mike Weber will will break a couple big runs, but I don't I don't expect sustained success from the rushing attack in this game. What Michigan State likes to do defensively in terms of taking away a lot of 
efficiency in making teams beat them over the top. Will we see Ohio State play into their hands and keep doing what they've done with short crossing routes, the short intermediate passing game, instead of taking a couple shots deep? Because I feel like to stretch out Michigan State's defense and to have the best offensive day, they're going to have to take a couple shots. And I don't know if they will, but that is always the game plan to beat Michigan State, and that's what they're going to try to force you to do. It's just a matter of whether Ohio State one, is going to do it, and two, if they can do it. I'm not sure on either one of those two, but I do think that that's what they're going to have to do if they want to have offensive success and ultimately win this game is we need to see a bit more verticality in the passing offense. Yeah, and we mentioned the the 2014 Ohio State-Michigan game, or Michigan State game, uh, a little earlier, and their approach in that game was, I think, the correct approach with, with some further down the field passes. I remember specifically a touchdown pass to Devin Smith in that game down the field, and it really did feel like Ohio State finally was willing to throw over the top, and that's how you beat Michigan State. That's still how you beat Michigan State now four seasons later, and Ohio State has a better quarterback to throw downfield than they did then and and better receivers, I think, um, or at least pretty even to what that 2014 team had on the receivers group, but it, it really should be the focus of this offense to create big plays. And Michigan State's defense is pretty good against big plays, um, not really on the ground, but in the air. They're, they're really good against explosiveness. But I do think Ohio State has the talent, obviously, to, to throw on Michigan State, to throw down the field, and to open that defense up. Because if they can't keep Michigan State off the line, they're not going to be able to run. I mean, if Michigan State can stuff the box because they know that every pass is just going to be an underneath pass and every run will be up the middle. There's no chance for Ohio State to move the ball on them. They, they, need, to, they need to stretch this defense out. I'm glad that you brought up that 2014 group of receivers because I think that as a whole, this team or this, this group of receivers has more depth, but just based off a one-two punch, Mike Thomas and Devin Smith, I think I would definitely take them over this group and for one reason is both of those guys especially in that game showcased the ability to win one-on-one matchups Devin Smith had a couple of deep catches had a couple of nice plays down the field and Mike Thomas had the 73 or 79 yard uh, touchdown that he scored on that slant play and I think that to go along with being able to beat Michigan State over the top or at least make them respect that One of the biggest things that these receivers are going to have to do, maybe the biggest thing they're going to have to do in this game, is win one-on-one battles. And for as much as they've improved, I don't know if they've consistently done that. And I'm talking about plays like where Benjamin Victor made against Penn State. Those are the type of 50-50 plays they need to make. And I'm not sure that they've done that, at least consistently this season. We saw Terry McLaurin with a chance to make one down the field last week and he wasn't able to come up with it and that's what we saw a lot of them do in 2016 and 2017 where they just weren't able to win those battles and they've been a little bit better this year but against a secondary that's so aggressive they're gonna have to step up and that's where guys like KJ Hill guys like Paris Campbell McLaurin all of those dudes they're going to have to make plays with guys draped on them, and I think that's the difference between winning and losing in this game. Yeah, I think that Ohio State's 
um, Ohio State's receivers, like you mentioned, they really have to step up in one-on-one battles. And I would love to see Ohio State come out with a game plan that takes advantage of what Michigan State's defense does, and um, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> they, I do think that Ohio State's receivers are talented enough that they can at least make some plays against this defensive backfield. Um, Michigan State cornerback Justin Lane, who probably sounds pretty familiar to Buckeye fans, he was a guy who Ohio State was recruiting a couple years ago. Um, he's really good. He's also really tall at six foot three, which is surprising for Michigan State because they really don't get huge cornerbacks very often. But um, I think someone like Benjamin Victor would be a pretty good matchup for him. I, I think that Benjamin Victor could have a big game here if Ohio State lets him, and I I, I don't imagine that they will. But um, it, it, he's also going to have to let himself have a big game. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Benjamin Victor needs to free Benjamin Victor. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that this is the kind of game where maybe Johnny Dixon can make some plays. He he likes to get lost in the middle of the defense and then emerge wide open down the field. I, I don't really know how he does it, but I think if Ohio State wants a vertical threat, he could do that. He's really fast still, despite the knee injuries and. Um, I would like to see some Terry McLaurin, who is also really fast. He's mostly just become a blocker this season, but I, I think he could make some plays if the, the balls are close enough for him to catch because that was really the issue for the last couple weeks is that Dwayne Haskins has not been great on deep balls. He, he's been either overthrowing or underthrowing pretty consistently. and um, That's another thing is that Dwayne Haskins needs to be good in this game. He, he really wasn't all that good against Nebraska, and... He wasn't even all that good against Purdue, despite the the big numbers. He he needs to be more accurate down the field in this game, and I think that with Ohio State's offense running the way that it is, where they really don't do anything super complicated and they mostly just lean on talent, they really need that talent to step up, and that includes Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see kind of how he steps up because this is a huge game for him, and this is a big stage for his development, not only in terms of his legacy as a college player, but also, I think, in an NFL sense as well, because this is a very tough defense, and we'll see what him and that passing game are able to do. And something we referenced in the Nebraska recap was J.K. Dobbins running with a purpose, and I think we'll see more of that as well. I'm excited to see a pissed-off J.K. Dobbins. So we'll see what Ohio State's offense does This is going to be, I think, their most significant test, at least up until they play Michigan here in a couple of weeks. But flipping to the defensive side of the ball, do you think Brendan White is going to play? (laughs) Man, I sure hope so. That would be um, that would be nice if Ohio State played uh, one of their two best safeties at safety. Um, I I'm not confident that he will. the word from from Urban Meyer seems to be that they're going to split time, which is um, just an insane thing to say after <laughs> after what Brendan White did on Saturday and what Isaiah Pryor has done all season. In that, um, Brendan White has half the tackles of Isaiah Pryor on the season. Brendan White got those tackles in one game. Isaiah Pryor's been the starter for the other eight games. He's I, I like Isaiah Pryor. He's not better than Brendan White. He's not. <laughs> there's no reason. There's no reason to start to not start Brendan White and to not put Sean Wade at, at nickel or you know, you, you have to have Wade, Fuller, and White on the field. And I'm not super confident that Ohio State will. Putting your best players on the field seems like a good strategy mm-hmm. to me. It's hard to say. 
I guess the, the main thing that stands out to me about the matchup with the Michigan State offense and Ohio State's defense is really Michigan State's offense isn't that good. Quarterback's been inconsistent at best. I think Brian Lewerke came into the year with a lot of hype, and I don't think it's lived up to it at all. There's no Felton Davis anymore after was it a season ending injury against Penn State? I, I, I remember him so. getting carted off. Yeah, I think so. But no no Felton Davis, so that main threat is gone. So there there really is no excuse for Ohio State's defense to at least not hold Michigan State in check, I think. We'll see if they can do it, but they should be able to, you would think. It Michigan State's offense is terrible and they're extremely hurt. So I'm really I'm really not sure like it's it's hard to even consider this game because of how bad Michigan State's offense and Ohio State's defense is. I I hope that they'll just balance each other out and Michigan State will score like 14 points and Ohio State will have enough to win. But it's really it's hard to say cuz we've thought that before about Michigan State. The the 2015 game specifically comes to mind where, you know, Michigan State's offense was trash and they had their backup quarterback and they still won because Ohio State couldn't really get out of their own way on offense. And um, I'm kind of concerned that it'll be a similar thing here. Michigan State's offense, like like you said, their passing game is is just dreadful. Um, I think Brian Lewerke is back after an injury, if, if I remember correctly. I think he was back last week as well. But he's not very good. Um, like you mentioned, pretty much all of their receivers are either hurt or not very good. Um, they're playing cornerbacks at receiver. Justin Lane spent some time at receiver. Um, they're just their offense should not be really able to to do much against a defense with as much talent as Ohio State has. But then again, I mean, plenty of teams that aren't very good have scored on Ohio State, so I'm I'm really not sure how to feel about it. Chase Young, man, we haven't heard from him since probably the Penn State game. And every the talk before that game was it was time for him to step up, and he did. But he's been pretty quiet since then. And so this is another game, I think, where he can really put his mark on. And in the defensive line, we may have underestimated how much of it was just Nick Bosa just killing everything around him because they, I don't think, have been very good since his absence other than maybe that Penn State game. But th- this is a big game for them. They need to step up. Like you said, this is a bad Michigan State offense, and this is the type of game where they can force turnovers, and if they force a couple, there really is no reason for them not to be able to just grind out you know, a 14, 10-point win. Are you ready to see um, Ohio State's linebackers get outrun by the slowest running back in the Big Ten in L.J. Scott? Because I, I sure am. I think that'll be fun. L.J. Scott is like when you pour syrup out of the bottle. That is watching L.J. Scott hit the hole. Yeah, he's, he's and against this Ohio hunter. State defense, yeah, against this Ohio State defense, he may have more speed than most of the linebackers. Do you think we'll see any shift at all in the linebackers? I mean, they'll just come up closer to the line for some reason. <laughs> That's the only shift is them all playing directly on the line and like they'll line up in a like with the hand on the field so we'll just have seven defensive linemen <laughs> ohio state will give up 360 yards oh, rushing God. and pete warner and malik harrison will be champions of the week <laughs> for the defense I thought those guys played really well i feel like we're getting really close on defense oh man they're they're really it's just hard to see how michigan state especially in the type of conditions this game 
might be played in can move the ball. Me and my friends back in Colorado have a saying during the middle of winter when you go outside in the morning and it's just super gray that it looks very World War Two out. Mm-hmm. And East Lansing on Saturday, I think, is going to look very World War Two. Much like if you remember the game two years ago in 2016 where it was just like, oh, that looks god-awful. Like I feel like I have hypothermia even watching this game. Yeah, and we, we have established, I'm not sure if we've established on this show, but SB Nation in general has established that Mark D'Antonio does own a weather machine. Um, or he is a weather god. I, I think he might be a weather god. But that really kind of plays into Michigan State's hands because um, that's really their whole thing, is just <laughs> hoping that the weather is, is bad and winning somehow despite not having a yard on offense, like not having a single positive yard passing or running um, because the game was played in a a blizzard or something. And I think that that could be the case here if the weather is not supposed to be good because Ohio State has had some some history with that against Michigan State. That 2015 game, again, comes to mind. And I think that if Mark D'Antonio has the weather machine on, it could be some trouble for Ohio State. I'm super excited for them to just throw the ball 60 times yeah. when there's 30 mile an hour wind swirling and they're just like, well, that that was the game plan. We didn't really know what else to do. Uh, we'll go back and look at the film and see what we can do about that. Yeah, they ran Ezekiel Elliott like nine times in a, <laughs> in a like a tornado. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, what What's your final prediction for this game? I think Ohio State's going to win. I don't think they're going to make it look very good i think it's going to be a really ugly win like the nebraska one was um i've got ohio state winning 21 17 patrick you know what i have not done yet this season you've not called for an ohio state loss i have not called for an ohio state loss and for as much backlash as we get about how we hate ohio state like i picked them to win every single week so far this week but i'm not doing it this week not in this situation not with what we've seen and not against this team, I think that this is all lining up, at least at least for me, just everything we've seen from this season until it changes, I just I, I have no confidence that they can go in and win this game. And by they, I really just mean the coaches. I have confidence that if the players are put in good positions that they can make plays and they can come out and they could stomp Michigan State if they really had their minds right and knew what they were doing and had – some sort of decent coaching, but at least for right now, unless something's changed within the week, you know, how is this game any different than the one they played in 2016 where they won by what a point? Was that 17 to 16 or just a really ugly game when Gary and Conley uh, intercepted that last pass to kind of ice it. And these are the type of games that historically I think that they play close and I just don't have any confidence right now that the coaches have understood where their shortcomings are and have been able to fix those and kind of adjust. And I would love nothing more than to look like an idiot and for Ohio State to just roll in this game. Like, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I don't care at all if my predictions are right. Like, that's the last thing I care about. If Ohio State wins, that's all I care about. And I would love to look like an idiot and for them to win. But if they lost like 24 to 20 i wouldn't be shocked at all and that's what i'm gonna call yeah i believe that the one time we have called for a loss 
to this point on the podcast was when I predicted that Ohio State would lose to Purdue by four, and they lost by 29. Um, <laughs> so if we continue that streak, Ohio State will lose to Michigan State 50-7, uh, to seven, and Urban Meyer will get a 10-year extension. And everyone in our mentions will say, well, hey, they're 8-2. and two. They can make the pinstripe bowl. And it'll be it'll be good. I, I like it. I think it's I think it's good the way that things are happening currently. This pinstripe bowl thing is really becoming <laughs> this, this is our thing now. Pinstripe bowl champion, 2018 Ohio State Buckeyes. They'll wear the you know the Notre Dame Yankee uniforms. They'll wear <laughs> They'll the Ohio wear State version of those. Yeah. Well, yeah, they could just wear the Notre Dame ones. That would be good too. <laughs> They'll just Urban Meyer. will have them wear just the full-on Chief Wahoo Indians jerseys. Oh, God. <laughs> Urban Meyer can finally fulfill his dream of coaching Notre Dame. <laughs> <sighs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're we're done with that portion of the podcast. You want to talk about better football? There's some better football this weekend that isn't Ohio State. Is there? Eh, a little bit. Is there? I was looking at this week, and I don't know. I I I cherish every week of college football, but it goes back to my point. Like, man, this season has just sucked, and there are some really good games this week, and I just feel like we're waiting. We're waiting for, like, can one team get upset? Even if it's Alabama. Like, Alabama can afford to lose. I was talking about this on Twitter on Saturday. Like, how swag it is that Nick Saban has built his program up to this level where they don't even have to win their division and they can still win a national championship. Like, they can just take a loss. They could lose against whatever. They're probably playing UT Chattanooga, not this week, but next week, or, like, Citadel. They could lose to Citadel and still win the national championship. Like, even that, I just want a bone with one of these teams getting upset in maybe it's Boston College over Clemson. I feel less confident Um. than I was, like, four (laughs) weeks ago that Clemson was going to lose after seeing them now. But I just want to see some excitement, and maybe there will be that this week. But I'm not going to get my hopes up other than watching Miami just continually fall into classic Mark Rick territory. Yeah, Alabama plays Mississippi State this week, so I'm I'm not I'm not expecting that one to to go particularly well. Uh, Over for, under negative 17 passing yards for Nick Fitzgerald. Oh, he'll die. He'll die on the field. <laughs> I, I think that I might be ready to uh, to turn on Alabama and on Duke basketball as a whole on just dominant teams that are dominant, and you know that you can't beat them. Um, because I watched uh, Zion Williamson kill Kentucky yesterday. Um, and I think that I want that for college football. I think I want Alabama to have a seven foot tall, 300 pound quarterback who, uh, no one can tackle and he can throw the ball 90 yards. So I'm, I'm rooting for that. Um, the rest of the day on Saturday really isn't great. Um, Ohio state plays it at noon. So that's, that's kind of the, the game to watch. Saving grace. Yeah. That's kind of the game to watch at noon. And, and then you can like. I don't know. Maybe I'll take a nap or something. Um, but Wisconsin at Penn State isn't terrible. It's not great. Wisconsin isn't very good, and Penn State is calling to to fire James Franklin, which I don't think is gonna happen. You can watch Michigan at Rutgers if you really want to see that. <laughs> um, Bedlam at three thirty. Oklahoma State stinks this year, so Oklahoma's gonna win that game. But it, it's always kind of a shootout. It might be. Kind of interesting. I wish that game was on Fox so that we could get Gus Johnson calling it instead of uh, it looks like Gus Johnson's going to be calling Northwestern Iowa. So that's that's brutal. That's not good. Later on, Auburn, Georgia, maybe maybe Gus has one more in him. He can Gus Malzahn. That is not Gus Johnson. <laughs> Auburn head coach Gus Johnson. 
<laughs> Maybe Gus Malzahn has one more in him. He can he can get Georgia again. Um, USF at Cincinnati, secretly good. USF is really losing ground here. They I think they've lost their last two, and they got crushed by Willie Fritz and Tulane. And Cincinnati is is good. They're legitimately good, and Luke Fickle's doing a good job there. Um, Temple Houston, another good AAC game. Florida State is going to get crushed by Notre Dame. Texas at Texas Tech. Texas is going to lose another game. They're going to be 5-4, and four, and Tom Herman is going to punch Cliff Kingsbury in the face. Clemson, Boston College, I think Clemson's going to crush them. That's, that's, pretty, much, that's pretty much it for, for this week. Um, I think there's a good weeknight game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Fresno State at Boise State on Friday night is, is good. People should stay up and watch that. Yeah, that is pretty good, and you brought up USF Cincinnati. If you haven't been watching what Luke Fickle is doing right now Ohio State head coach <laughs> Luke Fickle let's make it happen ladies and gentlemen they've been really good I think they're eight and one right yeah that is a good eight and one folks like that is a hey we're eight and one this is really good and yeah USF ugh. I've, I've always been a big Charlie Strong guy but I think I'm I'm off the bandwagon I think the luster on that one has kind of has has de-shined for Charlie Strong and I'm looking forward to Jet Duffy passing for 700 yards against Texas and then Tom Herman complaining that they didn't call a celebration penalty at the end of the game and that's why Texas lost. Yeah, that I'm not really sure what's funnier, the the possibility of Texas losing again to Texas Tech or the possibility of Jet Duffy throwing for 700 yards in a losing effort. I think that that one is also very good. On the Cincinnati thing, if you want to watch what looks like Ohio State's defense in years past, that game's a good one to watch because Cincinnati's defense is awesome and makes you <laughs> makes you think that Marcus Freeman come on home, yeah, baby. Marcus Freeman come home. Luke Fickle come home. Mike Vrabel doing poorly in the NFL. Mike Vrabel come home. Cincinnati's defense is really good. They're a couple years ahead of schedule. They were really not supposed to be this good yet. So word up to to Luke Fickle. He's he's impressive. And then the late slate is just just dreadful. California USC is is bad. Colorado State Nevada is bad unless you really want to see Nevada's massive running back whose name I, I don't remember right now. And then UNLV San Diego State is is terrible. So watch, I guess watch like the the primetime games. Watch Texas at Texas Tech that'll go until like eleven thirty, even though it starts at seven thirty. And it's then past my bedtime. Yeah, and then just go to bed. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't a great week, and hopefully we put it down enough to where that's where the crazy stuff happens. I'm going to keep an eye on Auburn-Georgia just in case because that's that's a stupid enough game, and Georgia's kind of like juggled around a little bit. And Auburn, Auburn is so schizophrenic that you just never know. Same with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. That Bedlam game is always pretty fun, and OU's defense is they're, they're good to give up about 30-plus, so... We'll see, but hopefully something transpires this week. We got anything else we want to get to? No, I think that's about it. Watch Ohio State play basketball tonight at 6 p.m. I think it's on ESPN2. Don't watch Ohio State play football ever again. No one should. Well, it's almost done, and the 2018 season cannot be over soon enough. As soon as this one ends, it's actually the end of Ohio State football. People forget that. (laughs) This is just... No, it's, give up the sticks. You turn it off. It's it's done. Yep. We are done here. But until next time, we will catch you on Sunday or Monday for a recap episode of the Michigan State game. But until then, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks. <laughs>